In this series, we explore the landscape of students, smartphones, and social media, asking global experts to explain the hard truths about the mental health decline among youth on campuses around the world and inspire us with the evidence-based strategies that will turn the tide. Thank you for being here. Welcome. It's no secret that since the onset of social media and smartphones that digital addiction and mindless consumption are on the rise. In particular, students are suffering mentally, emotionally, and academically. Isolation due to COVID, remote learning, and social media created the perfect storm. Lori Fritch has witnessed this adolescent mental health decline firsthand. Fritch has been working in college health at Virginia Tech for 23 years and is Assistant Director of Virginia Tech's Wellness Department, where she received both her undergraduate and graduate degrees in health and physical education. As a certified health education specialist, her career has been dedicated to health programming, development and implementation, training peer educators, and serving as a certified tobacco treatment specialist. Her programmatic specialties have included sexual health, vaping, sleep, nutrition, body image, and helping friends in distress and mental health. In 2016, she began developing programs related to these topics and how they are impacted by our phones. In the spring of 2022, Lori and I met on a joyful Zoom call, which she says changed the trajectory of her career. And we'll get into that in our conversation today. Beginning fall of 2023, Fritch will serve as the Digital Wellbeing Specialist for Virginia Tech, and her primary role will focus on helping college students live life through intentional, mindful device use. Lori credits her parents' zest for life as a strong influence on her approach to living in our connected world. I love this about her. She spent many childhood hours on long car rides through the back roads of New Jersey, hiking, cross-country skiing, watching her mom paint and her dad engineer old items into new projects. Their love of nature and physically active lifestyles led Lori to join the crew club in college. We also shared that in common, rowing. In her spare time, Lori enjoys working out, spending time with her two daughters and husband, cooking and eating delicious food, and connecting with her friends and family in the absence of phones. Lori Fritch, welcome. Thank you. It's so good to be here. I know. We've got to spend a lot of time together this year, um, and we're going to get into all the, the fun connections in our relationship. But I'd really like to start with this question, which is, what significant shifts have you seen in adolescent mental health since starting in your role more than 20 years ago? So I serve as the primary investigator for the uh, for the National College Health Assessment. And we know from findings that the increase in anxiety has skyrocketed over the course of just the past 13 years. So from 2010 on, anxiety has increased 134%, depression's increased 106%, and ADHD has increased 72%. Again, that's just since 2010. Now, how they measure the impacts is typically through impacts on uh, academic success. And it was interesting. I was sort of like looking through those numbers this morning and students have the opportunity to 
cite how they think mental health has been impacting their academic performance. And those numbers are right on trend as well. So you can see a direct correlation between the rise in depression, the rise in anxiety, um, stress, and how it's also increased um, issues with sleep. So the numbers are right on course. Um, And I think beyond numbers, um, because I have had the privilege of working with college students for so long, you just get to see the shift in behaviors throughout the years. And uh, we have so many bright students who are coming in just full steam ahead to Virginia Tech. And I think that the biggest items that I've noticed have been um you really see that increase in anxiety. Students are just needing to be so productive, always on, and you see them more involved in their devices, looking down more. Conversations usually involve a phone at the place setting, and they just seem to be more connected with their devices and less connected with all of the wonderful things that college has to offer. I remember you shared with me, this is probably this time last year. No, I guess it would have been fall when students were back to campus last year, that sort of your best and brightest were returning to campus already extremely depleted. You know, I think you maybe even Mm. use the word languishing. Um, So just like even anecdotally, like with the students that you directly work with, you know, on a daily basis, like very practically, what is that looking like for those that you've known for many years? Well, certainly coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, the summer is often a time to refresh, to engage in new projects, and students were coming back to school excited, but it seemed like the time to burnout has really been pushed up, and you're seeing burnout already in the first few weeks of an academic semester versus maybe halfway through. And I think the The biggest moment was when I was talking with an awesome student of mine and uh, I asked her to make a phone call to a colleague to figure out some logistic. And she was very hesitant and and she is a socially competent person, but she said, "I I can't make a phone call. And I was like, sure you can. You just pick up the phone and, and you have a conversation. And so to me, that's just a, a really interesting shift that's happened for our students. Even making a phone call or having simple chit chat now is causing some anxiety. Mm. You know, you kind of already mentioned a couple of things, the pandemic, phone use, but what are some of the other drivers behind this change? Are those the two primary ones from your perspective? Well, I think that what's happening, of course, with our phones is that we are spending more time on them and less time creating meaningful social interactions that we know are so essential to developing a sense of belonging while um, at any institution. Uh, We're spending less time outside. We are spending more time connecting air quotes on our devices, but not making those connections, not making the effort to make connections. Once a student may be back in their residence hall room, it's just easier to sort of flop down and scroll for a bit or text for a bit than getting up and making intentional 
engagement with someone else, even though we know in the long run, that's going to be the more rewarding opportunity. Mm -hmm. I also think one additional thing that has been happening, I mean, we keep talking about this increase in anxiety and depression is the stigma around talking about anxiety and depression and perhaps self-reporting is decreasing. So that's that's a good thing. Um, but I still firmly believe that device use, regardless of that decreased stigma, is definitely increasing our diagnoses of those mental health conditions. I know you are a tobacco specialist and prevention specialist. And, um, you know, I've talked previously about how you really see how this device use sort of maps on to, you know, the dependencies people Mm -hmm. develop with tobacco. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. I think just with any health behavior, uh, you're sort of looking at that addiction or the propensity desire to use something. And and one of the most powerful things about our devices is it is so many things to us. It's sort of like the pocket knife of life, really. And that can be a really great thing. It can help us capture moments through our photos. It can help us find different locations. Virginia Tech is a huge campus. So being able to use your map to find a classroom is something that's going to be a great tool. It's going to decrease a person's stress about where they're going to find their, their next classroom when they when they first come to campus. So it has a lot of great benefits, but then it has the, on the flip side, uh, those negative outcomes and the one difference with tobacco, of course, um, well, it, people are using it as a break. Tobacco, of course, is a and nicotine is a carcinogen. Our phones aren't necessarily a carcinogen. Uh, I guess more research to come on that. But we can see that it's hacking into our dopamine system, just like tobacco. And so when we're using our device, we, especially on a, a social media platform, we never know um, when our next like or message comes in, how good it's going to be, what it's going to be, when we're going to get it. The reward is unpredictable. And so that intermittent variable reinforcement schedule um, that Dr. David Greenfield uh, really first started talking about is what makes our devices so powerful and what makes uh, us want to come back over and over again and gives us that little hit of dopamine, which is the reward. And the same kind of reward system happens when someone smokes or uses nicotine. They're getting a, a release of dopamine. So when I look at behavior change related to how we're going to change our relationship with our device, um, I do start to ask our students and anyone really, you know, what are your likes And what are your dislikes around your use with your device? And then open that conversation up because the truth is it's okay to have a lot of likes and to continue to use our devices. They're not going away, but we really need to get intentional about what our dislikes are and what we're really trying to seek when we're going to our phones, when we're bored, are we actually Mm. trying to seek relief? Are we trying to, um, separate, you know, this was my work day or my school day, and now it's my relaxation time. And this is how I'm going to do it. We need to dig deep and think like, what am I really trying to get from life when I'm going into my phone? Am I trying to be entertained? Is there a better way I could be doing that? And it's the same thing when we talk about tobacco treatment, like, what are those alternative behaviors Mm. that I can do to replace? Because a detox 
does not work. Go quitting does not work unless we have other tools in place. I'd love for you to share with uh, the listeners today about your digital well-being work at Virginia Tech. Where did it start? How has it developed? Um, and where are you today? So uh, as you talked about in my bio, I spent the first 23 years of my career really working on college health topics that are pretty popular. So, you know, sleep, body image, nutrition, sexual health. And I noticed, um, gosh, maybe around 2015, 16, that phones were starting to impact those areas of college health. And the easiest pinpoint was talking about sleep because our students were beginning to stay up late. Well, students have stayed up late since the beginning of time. Let's name that. But (laughs) uh, we, we were starting to notice, science was proving to us that it was device use, that blue light was starting to delay the release of melatonin, which is the hormone um, that tells us it's it's time for bed, sleepy time. And so that became a recommendation that we integrated into our workshops. And then we realized, hey, it's not just preventing the release of melatonin, it's also making our brains really excited in a way that hinders our ability to get some quality sleep. And Then we started to notice, oh gosh, this is really impacting people's body image because we're we're comparing bodies to one another. We're seeing that fitspo, thinspo trend started really spreading. Um, And then in sexual health, the use of hookup apps and how that was impacting safer sexual health practices or lack of safer sexual health practices. So it was like really coming in from all angles. And mm. I, I would literally just search, you know, phone use and impact on sexual health, phone use and impact on nutrition, phone use and impact on X, Y, or Z. And so I had to add on to all of my programs to the point that I finally in 2016 said, I think I need to make my its own program. And that's when I really started building and experimenting throughout the course of that year, maybe 2016. Uh, with different strategies. So I really pulled a lot of strategies from the Body Project, which is an evidence-based program to reduce the onset of eating disorders. And uh, at the time, it was for college women. And a lot of the practices within tobacco treatment to um, start creating some strategies for students to use and to think about. And from then, and through assessment, students were saying, well... I really need you to show me some studies to prove that this is an actual thing rather than just diving into practices. And from there, I developed a program called Unwind Offline that has been evolving ever since. But I think the most important note was a lesson that I learned early on with my peer education team. So we recruit students who teach other students about different college health topics and we train them to do that. And the one cohort of students we typically interview every other year and then keep a cohort on for at least two years, if not longer. The second year of training always involved a rafting trip. And it takes about two hours to get to 
West Virginia where we raft. And then, of course, you're not going to have a phone when you're rafting because you're holding on for dear life. And then the, the trip back. Well, when we got back from the trip, after I asked them, don't use your phones, really be intentional about connecting with each other. And mind you, this is 2016. We get back from that trip and as students are piling out of the vans, they're all commenting on how refreshing it was to not have to use their phones. And I'm, you know, this naive faculty member and I say, you all can choose not to use your phones whenever you want. And they looked at me like I had three heads at that point and basically said, no, Lori, we have to use our phones. Like my family needs to know where I am. I'm in group chats. I need, you know, messages to come in about assignments. And that was really the turning point for me, the aha moment where I thought, this is not going away. Hmm. And we need to figure out how to create a balance. So it was really a search process to find anything that had a research connected to it or evidence that led me to believe my thought process could be backed by science. And um, finally, I stumbled upon some information by Dr. David Greenfield. And he was really the first sort of body of evidence that I could find related to this. And he's been doing um, technology addiction, researching it, teaching it since the early 90s. Then I came across your work and um, really the rest is, is glorious history. We have been, <laughs> uh, I built that program and needed to take it up a notch, basically at Virginia Tech. And I knew that I could do programming all day long. Uh, I could teach my peer educators to do programming, but we, we really needed to come at this. Virginia Tech is over 35,000 students and there was no way I could impact the quantity of students mm. that I wanted to. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Like just you've been at this work for so long. You're on the leading edge of this, looking for resources, seeking to serve students in the best possible way, integrating it right directly into all these different programs, creating a program, you know, being a champion on campus. Like, first of all, just like kudos. Thank you. <laughs> I love hearing you speak about this because all the connections you can make back into all the different you know, public health expertise, you know, that you hold and share um, is always so enlightening to me. I think when you and I first started speaking, what was interesting to me was you talking about the friction sort of involved with the student getting to a resource. You'd created mm -hmm. this amazing workshop and unwind offline, right? But in order for a student to access that, they would need to identify first and foremostly that they had some kind of problem, right? Yeah. Go looking for a resource, sign up for the resource, show up for the workshop, and then, you know, do the work. Yeah. Um, coming out of the workshop. And so I remember our very first conversation, you shared that with me and, and basically said, look, we need to get these resources yeah. more easily, you know, into their hands, more accessible. Um, what do you think of doing, you know, a campus-wide campaign at Virginia Tech? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it was such an amazing invitation um, to me to collaborate on something like this. So let's talk now, like that sort of spark from that moment and what this last year has kind of looked like. Absolutely. So, yeah, and of course... Uh, we wouldn't be here today together had I not really admired your work and, um, you know, just the the JOMO method. First of all, it's just so much fun to say JOMO. People like to, you know, use it as a verb, as a noun, like whatever you want to use it for. It can be used for the joy of missing out. What a, what a great platform. Um, and 
it was such an awesome moment when I received just that listserv email from you, um, you know, as a, a big fan of yours and a follower. Um, I really felt like I was fangirling in our first conversation to receive this message to say, do you want a Zoom chat? Like, here's an opportunity. I'm, I'm chatting with the people who follow me, sign up for an opportunity. Um, and who knew that a 15-minute Zoom call with Christina Crook, the Christina Crook, was going to change the trajectory of my career. And I just think it's so awesome what we've been able to build. So in basically the spring of 2022, we had that conversation and I went to our administrators and pitched the idea that you and I work together. And I really needed a thought partner at that time because you know, I knew I was onto something on the right path, but when you're sort of creating the road ahead of you, you have no idea what's going to work. You're, I, I just felt like I was second guessing myself all of the time. And I was like, I need a thought partner. And thank goodness, um, our leadership, Dr. Francis Kane was like, yeah, I, I think this is worthwhile. I believe that our students need this. I believe that everyone needs this. Mm-hmm. So um, just having that support was incredible. Huge. Uh, yeah, huge. Like everyone should wish for administration like that. Yeah. And at the same time, Virginia Tech was also doing something very new with their residential model, um, where they took the old structure of residence life and really flipped it around and made a model called residential well-being, where the student leaders, who in most schools are known as residence advisors or RAs, um, these student leaders, student well-being leaders, have a sort of like specialty area. So they are trained in either well-being practices, inclusion and belonging, or experience VT, which is like getting involved in campus life. So that big change had happened and was implemented this year was the, the first implementation of that process. And so Dr. Francis Keene sort of could see this being incorporated into that residential well-being model. So together, you know, Christina, you and I wanted to really focus on the environmental impact and getting this to more students, getting this out onto campus. So really from that social ecological approach, we, you know, I had programming in place, asking students to reflect on their own use, teaching students about it, but we were missing that environmental piece. So over the course of this year, you know, Christina and I, through Jomo language and and some of the language from Unwind Offline, developed a four-week well-being challenge that was piloted in one of the living learning communities on campus. And we created a series of environmental pieces to be hung in the residence halls to go along with the um, four-week challenge piece. So even students who were not participating in the challenge still were being exposed to environmental messaging, inspiration, and, and the challenges themselves. Should they look at it and say, oh, yeah, I could try that. Um, And then the other piece that we really honed in on was um, these beautiful Jomo boxes that were a wonderful idea of yours, um, trying them out in dining halls because we knew that 
these pieces could be something that just nudge students along. Mm-hmm. So a Jomo box is just a, a beautiful, um, a beautiful box that has some messaging on that says for better conversation, place your phone in the box to experience VT, place your phone in the box for better focus, place your phone in the box. And it's just kind of like little bits of little hints that educate the student and invite them to put their phone away, to Mm -hmm. focus on whatever is meaningful in that moment to them. So along with those boxes, we put in conversation cards that students could have fun with. And there was also messaging messaging banners that were placed um, all along uh, some walls within the dining center. Um, So these were some pilots that Mm -hmm. we tried out and uh, students really seemed to gravitate towards them. They were a huge hit. And I think that we really developed some replicable mm-hmm. interventions. So coming this fall, we will do the pilot four-week challenge to every student in the Hogue community, which is an engineering community, living learning community with over 800 students who will all go through the four-week challenge in October. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of communities who want to use the phone boxes. We want to put them in additional dining halls and also in other uh, social spaces on campus. You've just covered so much there. I want to kind of pause on a couple ideas. The approach that seemed to resonate with students, I'm thinking about two particular things. One is you use the word inspirational and you also use the word invitational. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I do think that was a couple of the key parts to the success of this program is, you know, I think you really love the concept of JOMO or any kind of like positive mm-hmm. framing around technology use, right? We're not we're not building a shame-based approach. This isn't a digital detox. I think I hear you say that in every single possible meeting and presentation which is excellent, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about detoxing. We're not talking about, you know, shaming you into better behavior. In fact, we know that that is completely ineffective, but we're inviting you, you know, into new ways of being, healthier ways of being, more joyful ways of being, even more strategic and productive ways of being. And then also just the inspiration, right? Kind of casting vision. I think that's what we are able to do visually with the banner sets and the posters, you know, within the residence halls, even the conversation cards um, that came directly out of your, you know, your peer educators um, there on campus, you know, these playful oftentimes hilarious, thought-provoking questions so that when students did open up the Joma box, say in the dining room, it wasn't just the removal of something. This was so strategic. I love that you added that because it wasn't just the removing of a phone. It was like, oh, what are we replacing it with? And I think the studies show, right? And it's same with tobacco, right? You talked about this earlier is the replacing of the thing. And I I know I in my own work, that's been true for years and years. If you suggest to a person, you know, unplug for, well, <laughs> my journey began with 31 days. Everyone has like that panic attack moment of like, is that what you're suggesting to me? Like what? <laughs> month off the internet, hard pass, like, no, thank you. But, you know, but and I never was advocating for that. But I am a pretty big advocate of, you know, unplugging one day a week or, you know, even one morning a week and also having some daily unplugging, Absolutely. you know, practices. But if you talk to someone simply about the removal of something, you know, it's cold sweats and panic. But if for you sure. start to help them envision what they will be doing with that time instead, and I think even with the video elements that we started to um, also pilot in the classroom, it was like, you know, if you complete your essay, if you focus, if you don't get distracted with your phone, like here's the time it will free up to go and play. 
play to go and invest in those relationships, these joyful activities. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's been incredible to watch and all of the stakeholder, you know, investment that you've been mm-hmm. able to uh, achieve at Virginia Tech now partnering through the residential well-being model, like you talked about, um, presenting at the undergraduate faculty retreat and having so many professors saying, yes, we want this. Um, in terms of next steps, I mean, you've got so many yeses, like mm-hmm. what would you say you are personally most excited about for next year? Oh my goodness. Well, you, gosh, we didn't even touch on the the academic interventions. So, you know, in the academic space, gosh, you, I have often guest lectured over the course of my career. And that is one place where you really do notice some significant changes. And uh, it's really hard as someone who's teaching to teach to a field of laptops and even harder to teach to a field of laptops who may be off topic. And number one, it's just, it's hard to do your best as a, as a teacher. And then number two, you just know students aren't absorbing the information that you know is critical to their education that they're paying so much money to get. Um, so I, I, I'm very excited about the academic collaborations. Uh, you and I developed a series of, um, of course, those educational slides that a professor can plug and play, use at any moment. They're just really quick, easy nudges that talk about how their learning and education is impacted by device use. And then just those easy, quick tips that are applicable in the moment. Mm. I, I'm really excited about watching professors use those. And then of course, the quick video spots um, that a professor can again use either in the beginning, middle or at the end of a course, just um, that series developing more of those. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just excited about it all, you know, because we are doing that very large Hogue residential piece. And I get to work with those students in their classroom this fall. I am excited to see how it plays out for those students. Um, The Digital Wellness Institute also developed a specialized back-end piece of a digital flourishing tool that will gather a bit more data about students' intentions and goals and the alignment of their device use with those goals throughout the course of the semester. So I am excited to see how all of these pieces sort of come together. Um, I am excited to work with so many of our stakeholders, you and I, I think that was, you know, Christina, you are so amazing at identifying, like you don't even go to Virginia Tech, you don't work, <laughs> as you know, of course, I consider you work at Virginia Tech since we <laughs> worked together over the course of the year. Honorary. I proudly, I proudly wear my BT <laughs> sweatshirt on the regular, as Lori knows. Honorary hokey over there. Um but you have the gift of really identifying who a stakeholder should be and, and just saying like, hey, why you should connect with this person. Um, and I think that that piece that you gave to our journey together um, just has been so powerful. Mm. Um, so plug for Christina because she is amazing at so many things and um, elevating the program just has been so incredible. Thank you. Really, this has been such a developmental year. Yeah. Um, last year yeah. from you and I, and I'm excited to see sort of the fruits of our labor. 
yeah, and refine them. Because I do think this is a journey. I think that we're going to continue to learn more about what works. I think digging into that positive psychology, finding some more um, partners who can help us even further develop that language and really get into talking more with students, highlighting student successes, Mm. um, just seeing what little things and what big things make a a difference. I'm I'm just excited overall, but... um, I feel like Jomo and digital well-being is going to be all over campus this year. I love it. I love it. It's been (laughs) such a joy to collaborate and I'm excited for what's to come. Thank you so much for being with me today. Yes. Thank you so much for, for having me. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review it, or share it with a friend. You're the key to spreading Jomo. The internet is not what it used to be. You need a roadmap to thrive in the digital age. I've created a new free Jomo guide and it's available now at christinacrook.com. Jomo is the joy of missing out on the right things, but sometimes it's difficult to know what those right things are. I'll guide you through a simple four-step digital house cleaning process to clear away your digital clutter and make it easier to get at what really matters. That's the joy of missing out. Get your free Jomo guide today at christinacrook.com.